Well, today we are continuing on in our series Q&A, Questions and Answers, and we have been looking at matters of faith and hope and the Bible over the previous several weeks, and we're going to continue on for several weeks. And so far, we've had an opportunity to look at uh, the life of Jesus, who He is, what He has done. We also have had the opportunity to talk about matters of faith and prayer, the validity of the Bible, and who God the Father is, how we connect with Him, what He does in our lives. And today, I have the opportunity to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I find that all of us fall into one of three categories. There are those of us who perhaps know a tremendous amount about the Holy Spirit. We have studied the Holy Spirit extensively, and and we have a pretty good understanding. There are those of us who go, yeah, I've heard of the Holy Spirit before, but perhaps there's a few questions. And then there's some of us who go, who? Right? No matter where you fall on that spectrum, whether this is the first time that you've ever heard of the Holy Spirit or you know a tremendous amount, my hope is that after today we walk away with a greater understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, and what that means for our lives practically today. Now, no matter where we fall on that spectrum, though, we all probably at some point have had some questions about what God does in our lives, right, and the purpose behind who God is. And really, as we look at the Holy Spirit today, our hope is that we walk away with a pretty good understanding of what that means for us as well. Because based upon our experience, perhaps some of us have a lot of questions about God and the Holy Spirit, or Perhaps some of us are a little nervous because we saw something on TV about the Holy Spirit or we heard stories about the Holy Spirit or maybe we haven't heard anything about the Holy Spirit and there's a lot of questions about that. That was me as a child. Growing up, we, I was introduced to the Holy Spirit by a different name. Uh, at my church, we called him the Holy Ghost, which to a six-year-old is terrifying, right? The Holy Ghost? Like, what kind of ghost is this thing, you know? And then I had a teacher... Uh, who helped us understand that the Holy Ghost uh, was kind of like Casper. And I was like, well, maybe like a friendly ghost? Is that helpful, you know? But I entitled today's message, Who is the Holy Spirit and What Does He Do? And every time I say that, I think of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop, right? Because he asked all those little kids, who is your dad and what does he do, right? So who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? And if we're nervous about that, or if we have questions about that, we shouldn't, because the Holy Spirit is an incredible helper in our lives. He's God of the universe, and He also plays a vital role in us understanding who God is and and what we get to do in our everyday lives. I've actually summed it up in what is our take-home point for today, and it's the one point I'm going to seek to make throughout the message this morning, and it's this. The Holy Spirit is God, and He empowers and transforms those who claim Jesus as Savior and Lord. So the Holy Spirit's God, and He empowers and transforms those who claim Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we're going to look at that both in the Old Testament context, the New Testament context, and what that means for us today. But before we investigate all of that, let's pray. Lord God, I pray right now that by the power of Your Holy Spirit, You would reveal who You are to each and every one of us, that You would open our hearts to receive Your Word this morning. Lord, we thank You for what You've done the blessings you have poured out upon us. And Lord, we ask and pray that we would walk these things out faithfully in the days and weeks to come. Lord, we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So 
who is the Holy Spirit? To answer that, we have to go back to the beginning, the literal beginning of the world. The book of Genesis recounts the creation of the world. In Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, say this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Did you catch it? The Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. He was there at the very beginning at creation. Why? That's because the Holy Spirit is God, and He was involved in the creation of the world. The Holy Spirit is God, and He was there at the very, very beginning. The Bible tells us in the book of John, John chapter 1, that Jesus was there as well. So at the creation account, at the beginning of the world, Jesus is there, God the Father is there, and so is the Holy Spirit. That's where we get the Trinity from, and they're all there present at the creation of the world. Now, we've talked a lot about Jesus already in this series. We've mentioned and talked about the Father as well, God the Father, and today, the Holy Spirit gets his moment in the sun. I often wonder if he's like elbowing, you know, the rest of the Trinity, like, hey, it's my day at New Life, guys. You know, it's my day today. Why? Because we don't talk about the Holy Spirit much. And I've, I honestly, through most of my life, have wondered why. Why is that? And I think the Genesis account gives us a couple indications as to why. Because if you look at the creation of the world, what, what's God doing? Well, God is bringing out of chaos, he brought the cosmos, right? Out of disorder, he brings order. Out of all of these different various things, he brings harmony. And ultimately, out of nothing, he brings something brand new. And I'll be honest, that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, friends. He brings new things before us each and every opportunity that he can. And most of us do not like new things. We just don't. You know, if you look at personality profiles or personality tests, what we learn as we look through all of those things is about two-thirds to three-quarters of us like things just the way that they are. We like things to remain constant. We, as humans, like predictable patterns. Do you ever wonder, like, how paths got created? You know, it's like on the entire landscape, why do we always walk on this way? Well, because someone started and we don't change, you know? Now, there are a few of us that do like change, and let's be honest, you guys are a little different, and that's okay, you know? But for those of you of us who do like change, this should be something that we go, wow, yeah, the Holy Spirit's bringing something new to our lives. We don't know what that will look like in our lives, but what we do know is from the very beginning, the Holy Spirit is a creator spirit. He's bringing new things into the world, and he's bringing new things into our lives. And we see that happen repeatedly from the very beginning of the Bible through the Old Testament, into the New, and into our lives today. So let's start by looking at the Old Testament. How did the Holy Spirit impact and influence folks? How did he come upon people in the Old Testament? Well, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon particular people at a particular time for particular tasks. Really, he did. Particular folks at particular times for particular tasks. It's one of my questions for God, because when I look at that, I go, that's not terribly efficient, God. Like, one at a time? Why did you do it that way? I don't know. But for some reason, in the Old Testament, the Lord came upon <clears throat> particular folks to do particular things at a particular time. And we're going to look at several examples today to see how the Lord moved in those folks in their lives and what that means for us today. And we're going to be moving pretty quickly, so 
The scriptures will be up on the screen. If you have your Bible app, you might want to pull it out or your Bible in hand as we go through these passages today. We're going to start with a man named Bezalel. We find him in Exodus 31, verses 1 through 5. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. Now, when we read this, if we're honest, many of us think when the Holy Spirit comes on someone, it's like lightning and thunderbolts, right? And he comes on Bezalel for what? Crafts. Crafts. Now, here's the thing. These aren't simple crafts. This man is a master craftsman. And from the context here, what he's doing is he's designing the tabernacle where God will be worshipped. But it's pretty human, right? We think when the Holy Spirit comes on us, it's got to be this incredible, and sometimes it is. But oftentimes the Holy Spirit comes upon us and enables us for our everyday tasks. How many of us work with our hands in our daily profession? I don't know what that may be. Maybe you're a machinist or, or maybe you are a craftsman like Bezalel or maybe you have the opportunity to work with children or maybe you're a nurse or maybe you're an accountant. I don't know, but here's the deal. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he empowers us to do the work to which God has called us. Now, if you're an artist, you can be an incredible artist without God. You can... You can do incredible work, but when we are empowered with the Holy Spirit, man, there's something incredible that happens there as we're used to bring about His glory in a way that He intended. We see that when the Lord comes into the lives of even some famous artists like Leonardo or Michelangelo or any of the other Ninja Turtles, He moves in powerful ways when He comes along upon the lives of those who He has called. And that's each and every one of us who claim Jesus as Savior and Lord, regardless of what we get to do. I don't think it's a mistake that one of the first people the Holy Spirit comes upon in the Old Testament is someone who's about work. And the Lord empowers us to do that because the Spirit of God wants to fill us with skill, ability, and creativity for wherever He placed us or for whatever He has called us to do. That's what the Spirit does in our lives. The Spirit also came upon Gideon for leadership. Judges 6, 14 through 15 says this, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with strength you have, go with the strength you have, <clears throat> and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Now the Midianites were a foreign people. And they came into Israel, and they conquered them, and they oppressed them. And the people cried out, and the Lord found Gideon and said, you will go and defeat the Midianites, to which Gideon goes, why? Why me? Like, I'm a nobody. Even in my family clan, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, God. And God goes, no, no, you'll do this. And he did. How? Well, Judges 6.34 Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Clothed Gideon with power. To do what? To do what God had called him to do. A seemingly insurmountable task. And the Lord empowered him to go about that task. 
and he defeated the enemy that was before him. A lot of times, friends, we're in circumstances where we go, God, why are we here? Why did you put me here? Why did I? Come on, really? I'm not, I'm not qualified for this. Welcome to the club. Just welcome. Put your arms around it and see what the Lord would do through the power of his Holy Spirit because we should take great encouragement in knowing throughout the history of the world, God has empowered his people to do incredible things, oftentimes things that they had no idea that they could or would be able to achieve. And frankly, they would not have been able to do so if not empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit also came on Samson and gave him strength. Judges 15, 14 says this, And Samson arrived at Lehi, and the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. So the Philistines, again, another foreign oppressor came to Samson. They bound him up. They captured him, and he just snaps the flax off his arms like it's burnt. The ropes were gone. And so often what we see here in the Old Testament happening in a physical way happens in the New Testament and even today in a spiritual way as the Holy Spirit empowers us and transforms us and does what? Breaks us free from the bondage that's forever in our lives. The Spirit comes and He sets us free. We're going to look at that a little bit more here in a moment. But there's this freeing sense that the Spirit comes into each and every one of us and it gives us the opportunity and the ability to overcome those things, those habits, those hang-ups that we've clung to for most of our lives. But the Spirit can free us from that. He frees us from that spiritual bondage. He came upon Isaiah for prophecy. Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord, of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Think about Isaiah's words here for a moment. Because what he's saying is the Spirit of God has come upon me, Isaiah came upon him, to do what? To proclaim a word, to say stuff. And as a result of his words, people will be set free. I think about that all the time when I'm getting ready to preach. That the Lord would in some way use the words that he has given me or us to free folks who need to desperately be freed. But it's a, that's just not for pastors, right? I'm not, God didn't checkmark me as special at some point, you know? We're all servants of God. And so the, the reality is, friends, that the Lord gives all of us words that can help set others free, he gives us the words and the ability to help other people to help set them free. That's an incredible promise, isn't it? We get to bind up the brokenhearted, and folks will notice that, and they will seek us out. And they'll go, I know that there's something here that, that you're able to offer, and they'll articulate this in a whole variety of ways, and that something is ultimately the Holy Spirit. And that's our opportunity to tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus and to extend the freedom that, what, we've experienced, right? Because this freedom, it comes for us as well. We talked about it with Samson, but Isaiah says it here again. He came to set us free. Now, for some of us, and I'm pretty envious of folks who this happens to, like, we're freed from stuff instantaneously. That's very abnormal, but it does happen from time to time. But for most of us, I think we would relate to a quote by Bono, he said this, 
For all that I was lost and I'm found, it's probably more accurate to say I was really lost and I'm a little less so at the moment. And then a little less and a little less again. That to me is the spiritual life, the slow reworking and rebooting of a computer at regular intervals, reading the small print of the service manual. It has slowly rebuilt me in a better image. It's taken years though, and it's not over yet. That's the Christian life, friends. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're freer each and every day. Now, you may note that as we've talked about these particular people, that the Spirit came on at a particular time for a particular task, as we've talked about them in a very specific way, I've also generalized what happened to them for us today. And you're going, well, Pastor Barry, how's that possible? And that's because as we work our way from the Old Testament to the New, there's this changing of tone. There's a promise of what's yet to come. We begin to see God through, primarily through his prophets saying something's coming that's going to cause things to change a little bit. There's something new. Why? Because the Spirit brings those new things. And we can actually call it the promise of the Father. And the promise of the Father is articulated in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. It says this, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So throughout the Old Testament, the folks were to ascribe to or to adhere to or to follow what was known as the law. The people of Israel as God's holy and chosen people were to follow the law and were to do so in such a way that they would be a light to the nations. That's the promise of Israel, that through their faithfulness, other nations would look at Israel and go, wow, that's incredible. And they too would come to know God. The problem is it never worked because the law is an external motivator. It's something that was placed upon the people and God said, that's not the way it's going to be. I'm going to put a new spirit in you, and this spirit is actually going to renew and restore your heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And because of that, things will change from you from literally the inside out, and you will follow, and you will look like I want you to. You will change and be transformed into the image of who ultimately would be Jesus. And the Lord said, this is something that is coming. Well, the question is, well, when, Lord, when will this happen? And we'll get to that here in a minute. But before we do, there's an incredible image by a, that, that I'd like to share with you from a lady named Jackie Pullinger. Jackie Pullinger has been a missionary to Hong Kong for decades. And she works among some of the hardest places in the world. And before she got up to give a talk one time, she started by saying this, God wants to give us soft hearts and hard feet. The problem with most of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. And when the Spirit of God comes, He softens our hearts, He gives us compassion, and gives us hard feet, a willingness to go anywhere. And this lady's backed it up. I mean, she has worked among the drug addicts and prostitutes of Hong Kong for most of her adult life. She does have a soft heart, and she has hard feet. And that's what the Spirit does, friends. He comes in, He changes and transforms us, and He begins to renew us so that our hearts are tender and we're willing to do what God has called us to do. So, who will experience this? How will it happen? Well, again, we begin to see the transformation and the change 
through one of the prophets. God said this through the prophet Joel in chapter 2, 28 through 29. Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. So the promise of the Father is that he will change our hearts, he will renew and restore us through the power of his Holy Spirit, and who's it going to be for? Well, in the New Testament, we'll see it's available to all people, available to all people. And if I were sitting at the feet of the prophet Joel, I would have been excited because it's like, this is coming, and I'd have like got my calendar out, made sure I had freed my schedule, but here's the deal. The prophet Joel said these words, and then nothing happened. Nothing happened. For hundreds of years, nothing happened. Friends, we oftentimes think that God is on our timeline, and he ain't. An eternal God views hundreds of years as but a blink of an eye. That doesn't mean that the old went away. He was still working in and through his people. Israel was still to be a light to the Gentiles, but he was getting things ready. The Bible tells us it was at just the right time that what happened? That Jesus came into the world. And when Jesus came into the world, it's like the dam broke. Everything that the Lord had been promising up to that moment came to fruition. John the Baptist actually kicked it off. He said this in Luke 3, 16. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and he will baptize you with fire. In this context, baptism is a really particular word that John used, and I believed he used it intentionally because baptism means to drench or to overwhelm, to immerse or to plunge. It's like a ship being sunk below the waters. And for many of us, an image ought to come to mind of our lives before the Holy Spirit and then after the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like one of those old sponges, right? You pull it off the shelf. It's been there since 1975, and you put it in the water, and it's like nothing's happening, right? That sponge is so hard. And then you leave it in the water, and then you start to massage it a little bit, and it's slowly like the 10 decades of like crust begins to break off, and then it begins to soak up that water, and then it's soft, and it's malleable, and you pull that sponge out, and it's just pouring forth water. And that's the image that we get here with John the Baptist. He said that Jesus would come, that's who he's talking about, and that through his life and death and resurrection, that the Spirit would be available to us, and that the Spirit of God would literally pour forth from us like it does from that sponge. And we know that because Jesus actually lived this example for us first. He showed us what it was supposed to look like. Because he was baptized by John, and then immediately after, he was full of the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. It says this in Luke 3.22, The Holy Spirit descended on him, meaning Jesus, in bodily form. And here's the thing. Jesus was continually filled with the Holy Spirit. As you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you should just underline everywhere it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, or Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was constantly full of the Holy Spirit. 
He set an example that we too ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? So it can be poured forth to a world that desperately needs it. But not only was the Spirit to be for Jesus, he set the example that it would be for us. He says this in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 and verse 8. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." Now, if I'm the disciples, they remembered Joel. They remembered the words of Joel. And when Jesus says a few days, again, I'm getting my calendar out, right? Well, thank the Lord it's not going to be hundreds of years. And he says a few days, but it was more like a few weeks. Again, God's not on our timeline. He's not. But the, the disciples and Jesus' followers, they did what Jesus commanded. And they waited. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4 The lid blows off the building. It says this, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. On whom did the Spirit fall? Everyone. Everyone in that room was full of the Spirit. You can read the account, the full account, in Acts chapter 2, and I would encourage you to do so. Because then they go out into the streets, and people are around them going, wow, what's going on? Explain this to us. And others are like, listen, they're just drunk, right? That's what it says. It says they're drunk, you know, talking about the supernatural and explaining it in a natural way. And Peter goes, no, 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 friends. This is what Joel talked about those hundreds of years ago. It's come, it's here. And not only is this available to us, it's available to all of you as well. An incredible promise. And Peter said, here's how you do it. Verses 38 and 39, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All have been called by the Lord our God. And with those words, what's clear is that the Spirit is now available to all people. And all those things that we talked about in a particular way, about a particular person for a particular task, that's gone. The Lord has now chosen for some reason at this time, and what a great blessing that it is. He's chosen to extend this to all of us who claim Jesus as Savior and Lord. Because the Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit's God, and He empowers and transforms everyone who claims Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we get to live out our lives in this way, empowered each and every day by the Holy Spirit. And we can do that as we live out our next step for this week, which is a pretty simple next step. I will live empowered by the Holy Spirit this week. And there's some of you in the room like, yeah, we're going to go do that. And then the rest of us are like, how? How do I do that? Friends, it's as we say here at New Life, it's simple, but it's not easy. Because there's a sense of persistence. There's a sense of endurance. But all we really have to do is ask, wait, and act. So for some of us in this room who you do not yet know Jesus, we have to ask Jesus to be our Savior and Lord. We'll talk about that a bit more here in a moment, but if we don't yet know Jesus, as Peter said, that's the first step. For those of us that do know Jesus, we have to ask him to rule and reign in our lives, to fill us. Every morning when I get up, I'm... I'm so appreciative of my time of prayer. 
I get my cup of coffee, and I start off my prayer the same way each and every day. I say, Lord God, I lay myself before you. I am your humble servant. I put myself at your feet. And Lord, I pray that you would rule and reign in my life today. Do in and through me what I cannot do on my own. Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing so that I can be about your work this day. Pour forth, manifest your fruit and your gifts as you see fit for your honor and your glory for wherever you call me this day. That's how I start my prayer. Because we have to ask. And then we wait. And what do we wait for? Well, we wait for the new. Remember, the Holy Spirit's a creator spirit. He's going to want to do something new. And either through the word of God or in your prayer time or through your spouse or a loved one, he's going to go, here's the new thing. Perhaps it's something inside of us that he's going to want to restore. Perhaps it's a thing that he's called us to. Perhaps it's just owning our work and dedicating it to him like he did with Bezalel. I don't know, but it will be new. And then we have to decide, will we act? Because we don't have to act. And he's not going to force it. But if we do enact what the Spirit puts before us each and every day, our lives are transformed, our families are transformed, our communities are transformed, our region is transformed, and ultimately, the world is transformed. That's the answer that the world so desperately seeks that we have within each and every one of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's ask. Let's be empowered. Let's wait. Let's see what new thing that he has. Let's be transformed. Let's see what he would do in the days and weeks and months to come. And friends, that's the gift that we have through the Holy Spirit, our God, who empowers and transforms each and every one of us who claim him as Lord to do what? To be about his will from today until we see him face to face. Amen? Amen. One of the reasons why having Jesus as our Lord and Savior changes our lives is because of the Holy Spirit. That because when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that changes us, that transforms us, that gives us the strength to do things that we couldn't do on our own. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are not yet filled with the Holy Spirit, Today's the day. Here at New Life, we say that it is as simple as ABC. A, we admit that we're sinners and we admit that we need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And B means to believe. It means to believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And it means that we believe that He is the Son of God and that He died on the cross for our sins and that He rose from that cross, or rose from the dead rather, on the third day. And see, we confess, we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we commit to following Him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. You can pray it with me, or you can say it in your own words. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner, and I admit that perhaps the spirits that have been filling me have been anything but the Holy Spirit, Lord. And Father, I just believe that you sent Jesus here on this earth to rescue me, to save me, to be my Lord and Savior. And God, I just believe that he is your son and that he died on that cross for my sins. And God, I just confess to everyone 
that your son Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And now that he is my Lord and Savior, God, I believe that I am now filled with the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit in me. Lord, I will seek to do your will every day of my life. And it's in your son Jesus' name that I pray.